I wouldn't have believed it had it not happened to me. The dog <laughs> ate my homily. I know they ate homework, apparently, but they ate my homily as well. There are two dominant images that are used in our readings, and as Phil pointed out, one seems to be very appropriate, especially given that the Olympics are happening now. Now, while the metaphor that Paul is using is one of running, and we're in the Winter Olympics, and I'm not sure how much running is, maybe bobsledding involves a bit of running, um, the imagery still works. The image of an athlete preparing. So much preparation goes in for professional and amateur athletes alike who want to excel at what they're doing. To the point where we can look at athletes and say, my goodness, they make it look so easy. Maybe, maybe I can do that too. And of course we can't. Because they make it look so easy because of the years of preparation. There's a reason why Steph Curry is one of the best shooters the NBA has ever seen because he has spent hours upon hours shooting millions upon millions of shots just so his fast twitch muscle memory is locked in so quickly that his body doesn't even need to think, so to speak, of what he's doing. It just becomes automatic. So it is with any professional athlete who has spent years crafting and honing their bodies to be able to do these things that look so easy that it looks like, yeah, maybe I could do that too. One of my children came home to me the other day and they said, Dad, I suck at basketball. I said, oh, really? I can't get that ball to go into the net. And I said, okay, well, tell me, how long have you been playing basketball? Oh, this is my first time. I said, are you expecting to be Steph Curry or Michael Jordan or LeBron James on your first day? No? Well, okay then. Today is the first day of learning basketball. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy and dedication and discipline to be able to become passable, let alone to become great at anything. Sports, music, anything, art. We all know that it takes all this time and dedication. And so too with the Christian life. That's what Paul is saying. We watch athletes in the Olympics and in other sports. We watch them compete. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. My money's on the Rams. That's just because growing up close to Detroit and knowing how bad the Lions were, I kind of have a soft spot for Mike, uh, Matthew Stafford. Anyway, we'll see what happens. But we watch these things because these are the best of the best competing. We watch the Olympics. We want to cheer on our people so that they can win that prize. And even if they don't win, we see the greatness and the excellence of what they've achieved. And when they fail and they have some awful thing, you know, where they crash and burn, we feel that. Because we know the time and effort and dedication that they put in to their sport. And they wouldn't do it if they didn't love it. Jesus says the last will be first. There was a time in high school that I ran track for one season. I was not trying to win gold medals. I was trying to win the affection of a teammate who I thought was something special. And I thought if maybe if I ran track like her, I could win her attention. I didn't. But the last will be first. I remember my first race having been new to this track thing, been told, well, you can run 1,500 meters. I don't have the body of a runner. But I thought, again, I was running for the prize. 
First race, indoor track at the University of Windsor. At the time, it was the brand new facility. It had rubber, um, the course, the track was like rubber, rubberized. It was a beautiful track to run on. First race, I'm excited, got the adrenaline going, the starter pistol goes off, and I'm off. I'm like, I'm in first place. This is amazing. I can do this. I'm not trained as a runner, but my goodness, this is really easy. Problem with 1,500 meters is it's not really a sprint, unless, of course, you are an elite runner at that level. So talk about the first shall be last. I was winning for two laps, and then by the time I got all the way around, I lost. Are we okay? Sorry? Okay. If you would join me in a moment of prayer for Paul. Heavenly Father, we are once again uh, burdened with the unexpected, and we pray for Paul who's been taken to the hospital. We're not certain about the circumstances of what is bringing him there, but we commend him to your care. We ask that you would bless the doctors and nurses who are entrusted to his care, that they would be able to use their talents and abilities to discern, and to uh, to discern what is wrong and to provide a course of healing and treatment. Be near to Barb. Surround her with your love and your peace and your comfort in the midst of all this that in the uncertainties that she would find peace. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. And the reason I went from first to last is because I had no training. I, it was embarrassing, but it was kind of funny if you think about it, to go from first to last. So I don't think Jesus was really talking about me, but every time I hear that passage, I remember that first race of mine. But Paul uses that as the image of what the Christian life is like, the life of following Jesus, the life of learning what it means to love and to serve the way Jesus loves and serves. The fact of the matter is that being a Christian does not come naturally or easy to any one of us, clergy included. But this is a good thing. Because it means that being a Christian requires training that lasts a lifetime. doesn't matter how long we've been associated with the church or been part of the church. Our goal in life is to seek that heavenly crown of eternal life. But we can run the race with the confidence knowing that although it will be difficult, that it is a race that Christ himself ran and ran to quite a bitter and bloody end. But it was not the end for him either. The end for him was resurrected and eternal life with his heavenly Father in heaven, and he calls us to this life too. But like my first track race where I was unprepared, like my child who gave up on their basketball career having only served and played one game, we too can become easily disillusioned with the Christian life. Because it's too difficult, it requires too much of us, because we don't like the rules or the expectations that are placed on us. Now, you may have noticed that the church, the hangings are purple and that I'm wearing my purple robe, and you may be thinking, but wait a minute, Simon and company have not made us our pancakes. Normally, we have our pancakes before we switch to purple. 
But of course, in our Anglican liturgical calendar, we have those three Sundays of Lent with the tongue-twisting names of Septuagesima, Sexagesima, and Quinquagesima. It's basically a countdown, 70 days, 60 days, and 50 days until Easter. So this time of pre-Lent is a countdown. It's a warm-up period. We're getting ready to run that race. And the hard part of the race is during Lent, because Lent is when certain expectations are placed upon us. The church in its wisdom has called us to treat Lent as a time of prayer and fasting and giving. I used to be very involved in bodybuilding when I was in my 20s. Bodybuilding is probably a little bit more my speed. And it wasn't running, which is kind of why I got into it too. It didn't involve having to run around. And the thing I learned about bodybuilding quite quickly is that there are basically, when you get to an elite level of bodybuilding, there are two stages basically of bodybuilding. You have the bulking phase, which is you are eating a lot. Bodybuilders will eat like 10 to 12 times a day just to put on as much mass as they can. And then there's the cutting phase, which is the pre-contest phase, where they try to lose as much weight as they can while retaining as much muscle as they can. So Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime didn't look like that all the time. That was just when he's contest ready. The photos you see of bodybuilders are not what they look like year round. You just see them when they're in their cutting phase, when they are contest ready. I use this also as an image for this pre-Lent time. It's this time of getting ready. The whole Christian life is training, but Lent is where we really test our mettle. But what you can't do in bodybuilding is you cannot bulk and you cannot cut at the same time. Right? Think about it. Gaining weight and losing weight at the same time, it's impossible. Many have tried. All have failed. I remember thinking early on, too, that I could do this. I could simultaneously put on muscle while losing fat. And you can to a certain extent, but not to the way that professional bodybuilders do. But the time of Lent is simultaneously a time of spiritual bulking and a time of spiritual cutting, to use that imagery of being an athlete. And I'm going to explain this in terms of the three main practices of Lent as we get ready to enter into our Lenten race, our Lenten labors. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. I've had the experience to be a single parent this week as my wife is sunning herself in Mexico. Kind of regret sending her there because she sends me pictures every day. Oh look, I'm in the sun and I'm drinking tequila. <laughs> For my sins. But anyway, she's having a good time. She'll be back today and guess what? Valentine's Day, it's like, sorry honey, <laughs> you went to Mexico. <laughs> but the point is, it disrupted my own life of prayer because without my partner who helps with the kids and things like that, I did not have the time that I normally would for dedicating to prayer as I normally would. And that's understandable because life happens to all of us. But Lent is uh, asking us, or this time of pre-Lent is asking us, where can I in my life make some intentional time for prayer? At the end of the day, when the kids are in bed, it's very easy for me to get lost in the YouTube vortex or Netflix. Oh my goodness, it's 10.30? How did that happen? I've been sitting here for two hours? Just zoned out? 
So maybe it's time to cut back some of that time and to bulk up with prayer. Fasting. I'm a snacker. Nine o'clock, I'm like, like clockwork. I want to eat. Whatever's in the fridge, it doesn't matter. I will make, what was that, um, was it Dagwood Bumstead, right, in the comics, right? He'd make these huge sandwiches with whatever's in there. Yeah, I totally get that. And then I go to bed an hour or two later, and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? I regret all of that. Fasting is helping us to refocus our attention on food. I'm not, I don't need to eat at nine o'clock. I'm just in the habit of eating, and so my body thinks it's hungry. So the Christian discipline of fasting is saying, what's my relationship with food like? Where can I cut down, and where can I give? This is a good opportunity for us to reinvigorate um, the difference of one. It's been going on, and that's great. But maybe I could take that money that I would spend on chips and say, I'm going to buy something for the difference of one. My wife and I were reflecting one week on, uh, it was a very particularly busy week, a lot of stress going on, and I said, how much have we spent on Starbucks this week? She gave me the answer, and I was like, how is that possible? And she said, well, we went to Starbucks every day this week. We both got a latte or some fancy drink, and I'm like, yeah, that adds up. And you don't even think about it. So Lent is asking, maybe, maybe I need to fast from my Starbucks habit and take some of that money and buy someone else a coffee. Our coffee project is still going on the way, so that's, that's the plug for that. But we don't like fasting because we don't like to be uncomfortable, but fasting is part of the discipline of learning to curb our appetites, not just for food, but our appetites for mindless entertainment or glorification or any of those other things. And this leads into also almsgiving, where we intentionally cut back from spending on ourselves in order that we can bulk up to give to other people. We know there are needs around us, and we know it's going to be difficult for any one person to solve all the needs of others. But collectively, if we were to say, I want to cut back here so that I can give here, that can make a big impact in the lives of so many. All this to say that this time of pre-Lent is our warm-up. We're getting ready to go on this journey toward the cross, to enter through Holy Week and to come out in the fullness of Easter. Because in Easter, we get a taste of our heavenly crown that awaits us, eternal life the life of salvation in heavenly glory and of when Christ brings his heavenly kingdom to earth. So being a Christian does not come naturally or easy to any one of us, and that's okay. But we need to take this time to intentionally reflect on our own spiritual training regimen. Where can I cut and where can I bulk? Because we're trying to bulk ourselves up in the love of Christ, in the holiness that he has. To learn what it means to be human in the way that he is human and the way to learn how to love how he loves. So let's take these next three weeks to spend some intentional time reflecting in our own lives. So that when we run the race and when we fall down, when we looks like we're coming in last, we know we do not run alone, we run with each other and we run with Jesus Christ who will not let us fail in the race. Even if we come last. He's still there to pick us up and to welcome us at the finish line. Thanks be to God. Amen.